You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. 107.7 The Franchise. 107.9 in Tulsa. Uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma. All Everything, wherever we are. Wherever we are. Yes, I'm here with Madison Morris. Hello. Who hasn't been on the podcast in some time. Many because, moons. Because she's been busy. And also, before we get into Sam Presti's press conference, uh, which we just left about 30, 40 minutes ago, um, i got to throw Chisholm Holland under the bus. Do it. Because uh, Monday, you were actually supposed to be joining us um, for mm-hmm. a, a Monday edition uh, podcast. And luckily you didn't because Chisholm and I, we actually recorded a really good show. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about Chris Paul. We talked about tampering. We talked about random NBA stuff. And it was actually a fun show. And this has happened to me before. Sometimes when you record stuff, technology just says, screw you. I'm going to make you angry. Yeah. And the audio, for whatever reason, was not salvageable. Oh, we no. couldn't save it in, in uh, editing. So... We just had to bite the bullet on that one. So apologies for everybody. I think I had told everybody that we were going to have one out on Monday, and it never happened. So apologies once again. Uh, but we have Madison Morris here. So now the uh, the the band, the original band, is the back OGs together. The OGs are back. But uh, Madison, how tired is your elbow and arm from holding the camera for <laughs> an hour watching um, Sam Presti? You know, it so it actually started to hurt after about twelve minutes, and so I I, I developed this technique where I had my elbow propped up. And then I had my other arm kind of across my stomach and my uh, wrist was propping my elbow up and it was working really well, actually. Uh, but then I was kind of thinking that this press conference is, pro- yeah, it's going to be long because it was the first time that media members have had the opportunity to hear from Sam Presti in quite some time. But uh, then again, I kind of felt like, oh, it'll be cut off at maybe like 35, 40-ish minutes. Yeah, not exactly. So I kept looking down at the timing and it was like, okay, 30 minutes. 38 minutes, 46 minutes, 53 minutes. I was like, wow, we're about to go a whole hour. And it was like my elbow was doing fine, but then my back started like cramping up and I'm like, Tumbleson, call it. (laughs) But (laughs) it's okay, you know? Yeah, he usually about the 50 minute mark starts saying a few more questions. Mm -hmm. So um, even I was getting tired. I I, I had to sit up against the wall on the side. And um, I I just hate asking questions when I'm sitting directly behind people. So I'm just like, "Ah, I don't want to sit in the second row. I'll sit on the side. But um, and, and also really quick. For those that missed all of Presti's press conference, we will be putting that mm-hmm. uh, the full audio at the end of this. So I just thought we'd give you guys a chance to listen to what Mass and I thought about what just was some said. Raw reactions. Yeah, the, the raw reactions. Um, man, Madison, we've we've known that he was going to have this press conference for the last few days. Right. We knew media day was going to be this this coming Monday for the last few weeks. I am not ready. I'm not yeah. ready for this just yet. I got three hours of sleep last night. I am not ready. It's crazy because honestly, I feel like all of the excitement and the adrenaline for college football just kind of amped up because we work in a sports radio station, right? So that is kind of where all the focus has been uh, with summer and like uh, the fall approaching and everything like that. But now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you had your two seconds to taste college football. Now you're going to be thrown back into Thunderland and it's not going to end until May. 
And so you're just like, wow. It, it ain't going to be in April or June. Right. <laughs> and so I compare, this is how I compared it uh, yesterday when I was talking to a friend about it. Thunder season for us is kind of like when you're riding a bike and you are just like kind of riding along, but then all of a sudden this steady like downhill uh, decline comes up and you just have to like go for it because if you hesitate or try to stop yourself, you're going to go head over tail and just completely wreck and hurt yourself. But that's kind of how Thunder Season is. You just have to commit to it and you have to go and you're just going fast and furious for a very long time and it may get overwhelming, but you just have to like go for it. And that's exactly what Thunder Season is to me is like riding a bike. Yeah. Um, it's riding a bike. It's a grind. Um, everybody knows. I mean, even if you're just a fan, it's 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 hard on fans because you've got to stay up for those 930 tip offs on the oh. West Coast and then go to work the next day. Um, yeah, I'm. Whether I'm going to be ready for it or not, it's it's going to happen. Ready or not, so, here um, it comes. Yeah, so today, um, I went into this press conference not really knowing what there was to talk about because he had that, I, I don't want to say an emergency press conference, but after um, Paul and Russell had been traded, like a few weeks had passed, and then he had a press conference, and that was the first time that we were able to talk about the trades, mm-hmm. the trajectory of the team. And then even like somebody like Darius Baisley, who he couldn't talk about the day that he drafted him right. because he was drafted via a trade. Mm-hmm. And the way the NBA is set up, you know, you, you in a silly way, you can't talk about it that day until the trade is finalized. So that was kind of the day that we got, aired all this out. Mm-hmm. And there were some things that we could ask. And of course, we got into some good Chris Paul stuff. We got into, um, I asked about Kevin Durant and his mm-hmm. um, Wall Street Journal uh, interview that he had a few weeks ago. Um, Sam gave me a pretty good pretty good answer, I, I, I must say. I thought it was a pretty good answer. But um, yeah, going into this, I, I was just like, I was talking to Eric Korn from the Oklahoma yesterday at the Thunder event. And we were just like, I mean, what is the point of this? I mean, yeah. it's basically like he has to have a preseason press ability and here it is. Yeah, not for sure. I mean, I, I agree. I think every general manager is going to have to sit down and speak with media because there are a lot of unanswered questions coming into a new season, especially right now with the Thunder, just because everything is so different. And I, I don't know. I think change can be a good thing. Um, I think it could be beneficial for this team moving forward just because they have, I don't want to call them stagnant, but they've been a little just stuck yeah. in their place with guys who have been in the organization for multiple years, not to drop any names, Russell Westbrook, but we, it just... We knew how that movie was going to end. Yeah, yeah, it just, it wasn't going anywhere. And so right now there's a lot of change happening within the Thunder organization. And so obviously, or obviously Sam Presti is going to have a lot to address right now. And so, I mean, I did see that as kind of being the point, but I agree. It's kind of just like, oh, oh gosh, here it is. Yeah, um, I mean... Re- Make no make no mistake. Anytime you have to trade players like Paul George and Russell Westbrook, it's not a good thing. Oh, Even right, if you yeah. get like the plethora of assets that Presti and the Thunder are able to get, I mean, there's hope now. Mm-hmm. Nothing is guaranteed, um, but they certainly made the best out of what could have been a terrible Anthony Davis uh, situation oh, moving my, forward. Yeah, um, like that, bad. that's something that this fan base probably would not have appreciated at all. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I guess really quick. Um, Let's talk about the Kevin Durant thing. Yeah. Um, because um, I'm trying to remember. <clears throat> I think Chisholm and I, no, that was an episode that actually was, um, we, we got out there. So we've already talked about Kevin Durant and the Wall Street Journal article, and we've talked about Katie a ton on this podcast, um, sometimes because it we have to, right? sometimes because Kevin talks about the Thunder um, whenever he's asked about them, even though he's not playing them. Yeah. directly that day or in the coming days these things happen 
Um, but I just felt the need to ask uh, Presty, basically, um, you know, you guys have been consistent, like you guys being the Thunder, you guys have been really consistent with how uh, you felt about Kevin Durant since he left Golden um, for Golden State back in 2016. But like on a human level, is there some regret that this relationship, like whatever it should be, and remember, like Kevin Durant's a he's a competitor, right? He's an opponent, so you can't necessarily sit there and say glowing things about him because then there's the tampering issue. Yeah. Um, but you know these guys are all human beings and they talk regardless of the rules. Um, is there any regret from Presty and the Thunder's angle that this relationship isn't in a better place? Because now every six months, KD like trashes the Thunder, yeah. and he specifically trashed the uh, front office and the general manager in that. Um, I didn't say Sam by name, but he said uh, general manager. Yeah. And Presty kind of said, um, you know, we've always felt the same way about Kevin, and he he gave me a human answer, which is what I was kind of looking for, and I was yeah. surprised that he gave it to me. Um, he said, you know, if Kevin Durant ever needs anything. Like it will come at a moment's notice from me, and mm-hmm. um, I feel that that will be reciprocated. So that's nice to hear, and I'm sure that Kevin and Sam Presty, whoever, will have pri- have had private conversations. I wouldn't be surprised. I was actually kind of looking forward to something like, like, oh, Kevin actually called me and said that this was taken out of context or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't happen. Uh, but overall, like that question, I thought was a, I thought it was a good answer. And then Eric Horn, like, kind of asked a follow-up question to my question and he said basically the same thing it's like 100 i feel 100 the same about kevin Durant that i did um, when mm-hmm. we first drafted him and got to know him so i mean that was kind of nice to hear just that level of consistency from the thunder's end <laughs> no it really was just because i think it raised a lot of questions about not only kevin durant's character but the thunder organization as a whole when he did come out with that interview just because that was only uh like a one-sided interview because people didn't get to hear um, things that Sam Presti had to say in return to what Kevin had to say. And so it was kind of nice to hear Sam just come out and say, like, yeah, that that happened. He said that. But listen, like, there's no uh, bad blood here. There's no ill will towards Kevin Durant. We would do anything for him at the drop of a pen if he needed anything. And, um, I mean, I kind of half expected Sam Presti to say that. I really did not think we were going to sit there and hear him say something like, Oh yeah, like we were all super pissed about that, and we're just screw that guy, like hell raised, <laughs> and now we're just absolutely just no, like I woke that up, didn't happen. Had some morning coffee, picked up my Wall Street Journal, and just went what? <laughs> what? So no, I mean, yeah, I thought Sam really did handle the questions very well, and I thought it was it was kind of cool to hear um, his reaction to that because I mean, like I said, when Kevin Durant comes out and he says something about the Thunder, immediately people look to the thunder and think, oh, like, what really did happen behind closed doors? What do we not know? Yeah. And so it was kind of nice to hear Sam Presti just have his take on it and have, I mean, there's always going to be an opportunity for both sides to speak to an issue. And right now, Kevin Durant is constantly raising issues with the Thunder organization, which is just out of random sometimes. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, anyone's allowed to speak their mind. But it was it was just like, it was nice to hear a little bit of a different side coming from organization that was involved in all this hostility that just came out in this wall street journal yeah no no question and I, i've said it a dozen times on this podcast so guys i i, I can't apologize enough for repeating nope, myself say it again. but um like everybody 
I guess that listens to this podcast knows that at some point I want there to be like a good relationship between Kevin Durant yeah. and the Thunder. I, like as a native Oklahoman, I think it'll, it's kind of silly to like prognosticate 10, 15 years from now and say things like we're never going to retire his jersey. Like right. Kevin Durant's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Sure. I want Oklahoma to, to do well. It's my home. I want Oklahoma to do well. And a lot of that comes from its sports tradition. Yeah. And Kevin Durant's very much a part of it for better and for worse. For sure. Um, so at some point I want there to be a positive relationship because I want to be able to look back on all the good times too. Now I say that knowing full well that in the short term, I completely understand why Thunder fans feel that way right now. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you're wrong for thinking that. I'm just saying at some point I want there to be something good between the two par- <clears throat> excuse me, between the two parties. Um, but at least um, from the Thunder's perspective, they're consistent and mm-hmm. how they view him. So whenever Kevin, like I don't want to say matures because he's going through things right now, like we all are. Like he's right, he's yeah. figuring he's things human. out. Like he's he feels wronged in some way, and that's fine. Like that's fair. He can feel wronged all he wants. But if he ever gets to a point where he looks back and thinks, you know what, maybe I did some things in, mm-hmm. in not the best way. Like hey Sam, like hey Thunder, like no hard feelings and then we can kind of come together and have some good memories but until then it's going to be this every six months but it really will yeah, um, probably i wanted to get that out of the way but we are burying the lead madison bearded sam presti is a thing <laughs> now i uh he walked into it's awesome th- he walked through the door and i thought it was somebody else yeah i was like I did who too. the hell is this guy yeah he was the first guy to peek out through uh through the door when it finally opened at around 10 30 and I my first thought was just who's that, and I was <laughs> oh wait I forgot because the, the the video of the drumming and stuff and I was like oh yeah he does have a beard now. See I didn't even I couldn't even tell like because I guess I just watched it on like my crappy phone screen and I yeah. wasn't really paying attention. I was just mainly trying to to like listen. Yeah. And the audio was terrible. Yeah. So I, I should have looked, but like I didn't even notice that he had a beard in that. Right. So that's my Yeah. Bad. No, I like I saw some things on Twitter because Twitter is incredible and everyone should have it. But you Yeah, look how incredible Twitter is. It's oh gosh. <laughs> so Twitter's not all that incredible, but <laughs> Twitter, it like I was reading a lot of things on Twitter, and it was talking about a bearded Sam Presti, and I'm like, what? This guy is super clean cut all the time. Like, there's no possible way he has a full on beard. He did, and it was awesome. Like, I loved it because he did tell the story of it to kind of kick off the press conference. Eric Horn of the Oklahoman, uh, he got the first question off, and it was immediately immediately about Sam's beard, which I thought was awesome because I'm so curious. I want to hear why he has a beard now because obviously, like. People make changes to their appearance for a reason. And so um, I just, I thought it was awesome. He did credit it to Vermont. And he took a little trip to Vermont, I guess, this past summer and just kind of let loose a little bit. Because he said, what, his wife, like, gives him an opportunity to do yeah, that. Yeah, he, he had, like, his lookout towards the sea. Like, I, yes. I, I, I don't know my geography. I don't know if Vermont actually touches the Atlantic Ocean. But I, yeah, I, I just kind of pictured um, Presty, like, kind of taking stock of what has just happened this offseason and just kind of like, oh, man, there is no more Russell Westbrook. Oh. Like, this is going to be so different. And then he just kind of let his beard grow. and That'll make you age. <laughs> it was funny. Like, he just said he came back and he's like, nobody really had a problem with it. And it it was very unpresty like because like the the beard was fine it was it was well it was well groomed but it's like oh wow we're doing beards now wow you have a beard fear the beard you look totally different you can bust out your fear the beard t shirts from the James Harden era Thunder fans Um, pressy on the back instead yeah it was it you know that was that was kind of funny but it was cool I was talking to Dylan Buckingham 
a few minutes ago um, during his show on 107.7. As soon as I saw Sam walk through the door and I noticed the beard, I knew this type of tweet was going to come because I knew people were like in the press conference room were going to snap a photo and put it on Twitter. I knew this tweet was coming. And even when I saw it for the first time, I still laughed out loud in my head. (laughs) Um, Somebody like quoted, like, I think Royce Young's picture of, um, you know, Presty with the beard. Like, oh, man, this offseason aged him 30 years. Gosh, that's a good (laughs) one. Yeah, yeah, you have to trade your your stars and then uh, basically tell your fan base that we're not going to be very good now, but we'll probably be good in the next few years. So please keep coming. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's it's stress on the job. Just yeah. to say. No, for sure. Um, and I guess uh, moving into like the actual meat of the press conference, probably the the first big thing to come out of it was, um, I can't remember if this was Eric Horn or if this was uh, Barry, might have been Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman, asked about um, the Doc Rivers quote. And this is kind of mm-hmm. what we talked about, uh, Chisholm and I, on Monday in the podcast that never was. Um, basically, Doc Rivers was interviewed and in, in and what has been described, like Adrian Wojnarowski on his pod said that he didn't really understand like what type of interview setting it was. Like there were just like a few media members there and they just somebody recorded it. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a matter of fact conversation, I guess, is how it was described. Um, but Doc Rivers basically said, for those that don't know, oh, yeah, we knew OKC was looking to blow up, blow up the team before Paul George even asked for a trade, which then... Then you go back to Presti's press conference after he was traded of like, no, that's not what we wanted to do. Right. But um, like we have really no choice and we've got to do the best for us and the best for Paul, because like I said, this could be an Anthony Davis situation. So um, Presti was asked about those comments and he was like, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, then he kind of clarified, like, I don't know what context the um, comment was made in. Um, then he just kind of went into like once Paul asked for a trade. Like we knew that's what we had to do, and we had mm-hmm. to make the most of that situation. And um, he kept saying that Paul um, handled it like a professional. But then he also would he he would say that thing, but then he would say that was not what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I get it from a business perspective because you don't want your fan base to come away with oh you're just going to trade away guys if you know like superstars if it doesn't necessarily work out in the first year or so Mm -hmm. um but you also have to do it from a perspective of like pragmatism of like no we want to still be good and paul george and russ westbrook make us better but hey um we don't want this to be ugly right so um that was that was kind of interesting from from my my perspective when presti was answering it no i thought that was a really good question to kind of kick things off with too just because i think things like that are really what's weighing a lot on thunder fans minds because honestly, people kind of looked at this whole situation and thought, you you have a guy like Russell Westbrook, you have a guy like Paul George, why would you allow that to change? Like if those are two of the best basketball players in the league right now and they're right here in Oklahoma City, that's such an incredible opportunity for Oklahoma City, right? Okay, but I think people need to understand that the way that this league works is that it's constantly evolving and changing and that... I kind of saw this as a good fresh start for the Thunder just because I've been saying this a lot. It wasn't working here in Oklahoma City with guys like Russell. It wasn't really working with Paul George being with Russell. It wasn't really working when Carmelo was Fel- here. that Raymond Felton guy. Oh, Get him out of here. No, don't <laughs> ever talk Raymond Felton. I will miss that. Um, big Raymond Felton fan right now. Miss you, but- Uncle Ray. <laughs> Wipes away single tear. But, I, I mean, seriously, though, it's just I think this – could be so refreshing because 
Sam Presti today said so many glowing things and even things that I never really put into my own perspective when I was thinking about it. He said today, okay, you have to understand that, yes, Russell Westbrook is gone, but in his place is a guy like Chris Paul. And I know I've been a little bit low on Chris Paul sometimes, but at the same time, you have to realize what this guy has done in his career. And Sam Presti even said right now, he's super strong. He's super healthy. He's got a lot going on for him. Um, and he is eager to help this team out right now. And that might change in the next couple of months. But for right now, that's exactly what's going on. So it is kind of exciting to think about stuff like that. And then you have developing guys like Shea. You have developing guys uh, that are still developing. Even guys like Terrence, I, I still think, has so much evolving to do because he's still young. He's 21, even though he's going into his third season here in Oklahoma City. And so it's just it can be refreshing. It can be interesting to tune into when season does start. So I don't know. I have some optimism about all this. I really liked a lot of what Sam Presti had to say today because it was more on like the positive side rather than being a pessimist. And so I don't know. I think that's something that if Thunder fans can go back and listen to this press conference or see little clips, even ones that we put out, which we will later, um, you're going to hear a lot of insight that I personally, I never really took into account until I heard it come from Sam Presti. And so that's always nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, like you were just talking about Chris Paul. So I guess it's kind of a good opportunity to go into probably my favorite moment from the press conference. <laughs> um, Barry Trammell um, did did what he does. He asked blatant good questions. Very brusque. And he I, was, I appreciate it. it, it like, um, from my angle, it was just funny to kind of see him ask it because he was just like, Sam, does, does Chris Paul want to be here? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how he said that's it, exact, too. That's exactly how he asked the question. And, you know, he kind of clarified, like, you know, Chris is at this point in his career, he's never won a title, he was just on a contender, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that wasn't just it. Um, cause Presti of course deferred the answer to, well, I mean, that's a question better, um, asked to the player right, and right. you guys are all very well aware cause Chris Paul has yet to talk openly or speak to the media since mm -hmm. being traded to the thunder. Um, he's been seen working out in thunder clothes and thunder shirts and whatever. Um, but yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk to Chris. Nope. So as soon as Presti said, well, that's a better question for Chris, Barry Trammell was like, well, yeah. We'll ask him that when we get a chance to finally talk to him. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then, fired. and then Presty was like, which will probably be in about two or three days, right? And then he went into his answer, and I was just like, oh, damn. Oh, my. <laughs> These are two super egos right now. Like, oh, man. Going at each other. I love but, egos. Um, but even then, um, Presty, you know, he, he deferred the question to Chris, um, but he didn't necessarily answer the question from his end. He, basically, what he went into was like he's a forty percent uh, catch and shoot three guy. Yeah. He's always up in um, up there in um, terms of steals in the NBA. Um, he's this that. He's super basketball mind, cerebral type player. You know all those glowing attributes that he brings to the table, but not necessarily like is he looking forward to playing for a team that has low expectations, playing for a team where he's going to be seen as a mentor for Shea Gilgis-Alexander and then the rest of the young players. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Chris doesn't want to do that. And we've said this, Madison, on this podcast, on Franchise Thunder Insiders with Jerry Ramsey and John Hamm. Um, we, it's, a, it's easy to understand Chris Paul doesn't want to be doing that at this point in his career. But in order for him to get to the point where he wants to be, you know, the Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, whoever – Mm -hmm. title contender insert title contender here um he has to do a good job here yeah and so chris is smart i've talked to him a few times 
um, since I've been covering the Thunder whenever the Rockets and the Clippers have come to town. Mm-hmm. He's an incredibly smart guy. Everybody knows that if that's followed the league. Um, he's incredibly smart. Um, he's highly competitive to the point where he's annoying to watch if he's yeah. not on your team. I completely understand that. But I, I I don't sense that there will be a public stink from Chris Paul no. at any point in the season unless negotiations behind the scenes absolutely fall through and Chris Paul gets wind of it. That's when you can maybe see some public frustration, but I don't think that that's going to be the case moving forward. So I don't think Thunder fans have that much to worry about. No, I don't either. And maybe I'm just giving way too much credit to these guys. But at the same time, I don't really see an NBA player coming in and automatically just flopping his entire career because he doesn't want to be there. It's as simple as that. That's that's. I don't think that's going to happen because I think Chris Paul, like Brady said, he is a smart guy. And he's going to understand his role in this team. And right now his role isn't to play with guys like James Harden, which he just did. He's not going to have, like, another superstar right there alongside him like Russell and Paul had when they were here in Oklahoma City. Chris Paul, I mean, you can say what you want about guys like Steven Adams or anything like that, but you're not – Chris Paul is not going to have anyone that's, like, super high up there um, like he is. And I kind of, like, am – pausing while saying that because I feel like I'm throwing a lot of guys under the bus right now. Eh. Not saying eh. not saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> that there is a level of superstardom here in the NBA and everyone yeah. knows that. And Chris Paul is up there. I'm, I don't think Dennis Schroeder is up there. And Shea Gilgis Alexander is not up there yet. And so it's just um, it's going to be a very different playing environment. That's not me telling anyone anything new. That's very obvious. But it's going to be very different. But I think he is going to step into a role where he does understand that he does have guys like Shea, and he has uh, guys like even Hamadou or Deontay Burton or God, I don't even— Justin I'm, Patton. Yeah, Justin Patton. He has guys like that that are new to this organization. <laughs> I mean, Hamadou will be in his second year, and Deontay will as well, but still, they're still young, developing players. Chris Paul is easily going to be, what, the oldest player on this team now because Ray Ray Felton's not there. Yeah, so. yeah, he's— I think so, unless I want to say so. I don't. I don't think Gallinari's older than him. Um, Gallinari's like thirty or 31. 30, 31 I, yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, like like I said, Chris is smart, so he understands pragmatically what he has to do. Right. Because if he was coming here as a thirty-one-year-old, um, it might be a little bit different. If if he's coming here as a thirty-one-year-old or as a guy that doesn't have an injury history. <laughs> um, it would be much easier to trade him because he has to prove right. that he's still capable of performing at a high level. He has to prove that he can still play, you know, the full, you know, allotted minutes that he's supposed to be playing, mm-hmm. play him at a high level, not get hurt because teams don't want to take a flyer on him and potentially give up an asset or a draft pick in the future to get a guy who's just going to play for a few games and then tear his hamstring. Right. So yeah. like, yeah, Chris can't come into the situation, and have the attitude. I'm just going to sit down. Because yeah. like that does nothing for you. No. Like maybe a team just gets absolutely desperate because there's always the um something that I've talked about on on this podcast before. Um n- never underestimate the uh the team that goes into a season with high expectations yeah. and then they start off 8 and 12. You remember oh, the Thunder 2 years ago? Oh yeah, that definitely like, happened. So, when that when those things happen and they are very realistic and given how tough the Western Conference is, that could happen to a pretty good team with high yeah. expectations. Um that changes the mood of the front office super like quick. Yeah, and then a door that was thought to be closed prior for a potential trade partner suddenly swings open. Mm-hmm. So Chris, <clears throat> Chris has to prove a lot of things still, even at 34, even with his injury history, he has to go out there and prove it. And a, another thing that can help his case is by, like you just said, helping Shea Gilgis Alexander 
um, mm-hmm. become a better player, making this you know assortment of veteran guys with a bunch of young second, third, first year players into something that's not terrible to watch. Yeah. And if that happens, then it all kind of goes um, goes back to Chris. So thanks, Chris. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that will help you get to the next stage, mm-hmm. get to that next team that you want to be on. Right. And here's my here's my thing with a good NBA player. What separates a good guy from a great guy is I know it's not their job, but I think a great guy can be very good at his game and do what he needs to do and do it very well and to a very high level. But he can also encourage these other guys that are newer to the league and he can lift them up and he can make this a team sport. And these guys that are coming in, they may think, oh, you know, like I I have all kinds of talent. I don't need a mentor. I don't need anyone to look up to. Okay, but they do and they don't really realize it. And so when you have a guy like Shea who's coming into his second season, but his first time in Oklahoma City under a guy like Chris Paul, who has just been in this league for multiple years now and has accomplished some pretty phenomenal things. That's what's going to make Chris Paul a great asset to Oklahoma City is if he can do his job here and do it well, but if he can also encourage and lift up these young guys, like even Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is only like 24 or 25. I think people forget that. Yeah. And so yeah, that's my age. That's weird. And so I'm just I'm just thinking that if Chris Paul can come in as a 34-year-old and really lift these guys up and help them develop into a, a type of player that can just be absolutely dominant in this league, then he's not only doing his job, but he's doing a job that I think would just really separate him from a high-level player to a a decent player. Like, he's yeah. good. Um, I mean, we can get into some more questions. I mean, is is there anything else big mm-hmm. that from the press conference that I'm totally forgetting that... No, nothing he, else stood out. I he, mean... He talked about tampering, and he, yeah. he applauded the league for the, their new tampering laws that they put out, and he... One of the interesting things he said was June 30th was not a shining moment for the league because of how everything played out. Like contracts were pretty much known and yeah. agreed about Awkward. Uh, prior to June, like the allotted, the, the determined time for this to start. Kind of like uh, how the state of Oklahoma started. Like, yeah. Like everybody started at noon, but those pesky Sooners, Madison. Screw those pesky that. Sooners. Those pesky Sooners. Oh, man. But yeah, <laughs> outside of that, um, I. Like I just wanted us to get into like a few bullet points because obviously if you're going to listen to the rest of the press conference, um, I just wanted to get out 20, 30 minutes of us talking about it, and then you can yeah. hear Presty. So anything else? Um, no, nothing really. Nothing else like super stood out to me. Um, I love that he did say that. Well, one, he said he had a conversation with Chris Paul this morning. So Chris is here in Oklahoma City now. Uh, so that's kind of exciting to know that he is here. He's getting to know the team a little bit more. He's a com- like he's accommodating himself to Oklahoma City, which I think is very, very crucial for a guy who's new to an organization. Um, also, he did talk about Andre Robertson, which that's oh, yeah. nothing super new, but it was it was kind of cool to hear him say that. Yeah, we expect him to be out there in training camp. We expect him uh, to be on the floor, like making some moves as training camp starts. Uh, he didn't really like say anything about game time. Still, it's too early for that. They have another month or so for that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, preseason is right around the corner, but still, you know, there's just there's a lot that's still going to be up in the air. But I think that's all going to be answered when season actually does kick off. I thought Sam Presti did a really good job giving some insight on where he is right now mm-hmm. and just basically saying like what people want to hear right now about Andre. Yeah, um, I actually. Kind of totally forgot about that because I talked about that on the radio and I mix up radio stuff with podcast stuff. So I thought we had actually already talked about it. But um, I asked him about Andre Robertson because um, yesterday 
um, New Orleans Noel was a part of the uh, Thunder Cares event at Elemental Coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric Horn from the Oklahoma asked him, like, so has Andre Robertson been practicing with you guys? And you should have seen the look in Nerland Noel's Nerland's <laughs> Noel's eye. Like Eric posted the clip about it. I did too on Twitter. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check it out. Um, but Nerland's basically was like, uh, yeah. I don't know if I can answer that one. <laughs> and um, so I asked Presti to clarify where Robertson was in, in his rehab. And he said, yeah, he'll be on the floor uh, for training camp. Now, I don't know what that means still. Yeah. Like Does that he, mean is he just, doing his own stuff? Is he just shooting? Is he running full 100%? Is he practicing three-on-three, five-on-five? You know, um, he was on the floor all the time last year. Right. But, but he, he wasn't was, like... But he was just by himself shooting stationary without yeah. jumping or running or cutting. So, um, I, it, I, what it's does more it mean? Opt- it's more optimistic, I'll just say. It's more optimistic that he's going to be able to at least return at some point. Um, but for those out there that are fearful that he's going to take Andre Robertson's start or not Andre Robertson, Terrence Ferguson's starting role, don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, with that, Madison, let's uh, go ahead and sign off and throw out the uh, Sam Presti press conference. Um, everybody, uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, sorry for the podcast that never was on Monday, um, but Media Day will be uh, this coming Monday. So Madison and I will be putting out more stuff, videos, tweets, updates podcasts all the, the goods yeah in the next few days um after we upload this mass and i have to run to um i can say it the musical swings place because um, by the time that you're listening to this it'll be um well over by that point so we've got to go do that all this stuff it's basketball season mass and i want to take a nap let's let's take a nap yay! But signing off yay y'all have a good one thank you for listening see ya this is our 12th uh, season of Thunder Basketball in Oklahoma City. And um, I just want to make a few comments and then open it up to you guys for questions. So first, obviously, you know, coming into this season, I think much is, has been written and said about the transition that the team has gone through this summer. And um, while that's the case, I just think it's commendable that the, the energy that our team uh, players, both new and returning, have shown coming into the offseason has been really remarkable. Uh, coaching staff is... Um, really prepared, excited about what's ahead. Uh, and just the building in general has a great energy about itself. And I really think that's a great thing and something that we've always relied on, but um, it's really refreshing and good to see. Uh, relative to this time of year, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about internally all the time is the difference between standards and expectations. Expectations, as we all know, are things that get thrown around, you know, beginning of the season. They change, you know, some years they're high, some years they're not, some years they're um, they're arbitrary. Uh, what we've always tried to focus on internally is just internal standards, the things that have really uh, drove our success over the years, things that are within our control. And it's our belief that, you know, if you have really strong internal standards, then the expectations can be set externally, but they're usually a result of the work that's done internally to those standards. So things like um, commitment to playing hard, um, playing together, uh, a real appreciation for the fundamental aspects of the game, uh, supporting one another, sticking by one another, uh, during the good times and the bad times, picking people up when they're down uh, and not letting people get too far, you know, their heads in the clouds when things are going well and not too dark when things aren't. So, you know, those are things that we've always stuck to. And, you know, our commitment is to continue to do those things at a high level inside the building.
Um, relative to this season, I think we've got a really interesting mix of not just new players and returning players, but also veteran players and young players. Um, I'm excited, and I think everybody's excited to watch and see how the team comes together through the year. I think this team has a significant amount of discovery uh, you know, within it in terms of just learning about the new players that we have and how they fit with the existing group. Um, and <clears throat> I think it should be really exciting to see. I think when we look at a season over the course of the 11 years we've been here, you know, our best work has always been when we focus on process and not just simply outcome. And I think for the majority of time we've been able to do that. So taking an 82-game, you know, approach, uh, making sure that, you know, we're not uh, using all the bullets on Monday night at the expense of Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, uh, but really being intelligent about how we manage the year. Uh, watching the development not only of the individual players throughout the season and, and their pathways to improve, but also the development of the team. Those are going to be the focuses that I think will be important for us to optimize this season. Um, obviously, you know, we say this all the time, and it, it continues to be the case. Like, what we want to do is be playing meaningful basketball at the end of the year. We want to try to do everything we can to put ourselves in position to optimize the group that we have, and there's just no shortcuts to that. And um, it comes back to the commitment to the process that's in place and, um, and, and being willing to, to be patient with that as we go through, especially with as much change as we've, as we've um, experienced. Um, last thing I just want to speak to, and then you guys can ask me whatever you want, uh, is um, you know, much has been talked about, obviously, with our offseason, about just the long-term you know, outlook that we have for the team. Nothing has changed in that respect. Um, you know, we're still 100% focused on uh, building the most sustainable path for an elite, an elite team in Oklahoma City. Uh, realizing, you know, that that's something that eventually, you know, we're going to embark on, um, but we're not where we are. We're, we're not at that point yet, and we think that this season is, um, you know, one that we should really dive into and, um, and experience, and I think it will be great for our fans as well to, you know, have some of the guys and get to know some of the new players. But long term, you know, we're not going to do anything uh, that will uh, sacrifice the long term plan that this organization needs to take long term in order to build that type of sustainability. And, um, you know, that's something that Clay and myself talk about quite a bit. He is 100% um, understanding and behind, you know, doing something that's sustainable for this organization. And he understands the, the circumstances and the rules and the system as well as anybody. And, um, you know, that commitment is, is still firmly there. And I'm excited about, uh, you know, both the long-term outlook of this organization, but I'm also really excited about what's in front of us this season and, and uh, watching this group play together and grow together. So with that, I'll answer any questions. Can you give us an idea of the thought process behind the beard? <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, you know, I... Uh, I have an incredible family, incredible wife, um, and she uh, has always allowed me a couple days uh, over the summer to get away and uh, clear my head uh, to generally think about the year ahead and uh, spend time reading and, and, and writing in my journal and things of that nature. I went to Vermont and um, let it go for, for a little bit, and then when I, when I got back, um, nobody seemed to have a problem with it. So I just kind of let it roll for a little while. I, don't, I can't tell you that this is something that's going to be around that much longer, but um, that is really the story behind it. So thank Vermont.
With such a young squad, do you see uh, having a different approach in the way you uh, approach uh, just the way you develop the, the players as opposed to in past years, or is it the same Thunder way as you? Uh, I think that um, it's an interesting question. I think the team as a whole has a really interesting mix. You know, I mean, we're talking about a team that has Chris Paul, Gallinari, obviously, Steven, uh, Dennis. And so you know, there's some there's some real stalwart type, you know, players on the team. That's one of the reasons we're really excited about it. Um, we've never looked at in our 12 years here. We don't really look at it like young players or necessarily like veteran players per se as much as like players and how can we be the best version of the team over 82 games some players you know more about because they have a body of work other players um, you need to give them some runway to understand what it is they bring to the table and they could produce at a much higher level by game 50 uh, than they could by game five but um, that's the art of managing an 82 game season i think our coaches i mean as i said years and years um now you know no one works harder than Billy. I mean, he's one of the hardest working uh, craftsmen I've ever been around. Um, and I think that, um, you know, some of the changes on this with the assistant coaches have um, have been really healthy, really good, really positive. Those guys have done a great job this offseason. Um, but there's like an art and science to managing to optimize the entire season. Um, but we want to do everything thing we can to figure out what the best combinations are and that's really that's that's billy's job and i don't think you can walk into the year with the you know and say this is what it's going to be because there's been a lot of change in years past the last couple of years i mean we've we've returned a pretty pretty um veteran laden group um not as much unknown about those players most of the discovery of the team in the past few years has been as a result of injury or absence or things like that so you know, Terrence Ferguson becomes Terrence Ferguson because we were missing Dre. And uh, Ferg really sees that opportunity. Hami, you know, what we learned about him last year was a result of Terrence being out. Um, and so, and on down the line, our, 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 a lot of our development work has been more necessity. Uh, and so this year might be a little bit different because there's some spots that are up for grabs and they need to be competed for. Sam, you mentioned the like mood in the building. I guess I'm just curious how you personally are feeling going into this season, given the, the large scale changes. I know you've had change in the off season before, yeah. but maybe this is a different level. Yeah, no, listen, the way I look at this and the way I feel is I feel, number one, I feel really optimistic. I feel extremely confident about the long-term future of the franchise um, because I believe we're gonna be committed to a certain set of principles and guidelines that are gonna give us the best chance of uh, building an extremely sustainable team in Oklahoma City. Um, I feel resilient. I think that, you know, our organization has been through a lot over 12 years. Um, you know, we've never um, necessarily, you know, looked at, at things for what they are, but we've always looked at look at them for what they can be. And um, I think that served us well, and I think that we'll continue to take that mentality into every single thing we do. Um, I feel, I feel humbled about the fact that we have a really big task in front of us after uh, 11 years in Oklahoma City with this second best record in the NBA, uh, with the second best net rating over that period of time. Um, and we've had a lot of success. 
I'm humbled about the, the fact that now we have to look at how we're going to continue to uh, chart a path that's going to be able to meet those long-term standards. Um, and that can be, you know, that can be energizing, but it also makes you realize, like, you know, it's hard to do that in the NBA. And uh, so I say those three things are the things that I've thought about the most, and um, you can thank Vermont for that as well. Doc Rivers was quoted uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, saying that even before the Paul George trade, word was around the league that you guys were looking to tear down the roster. Is that true? No. I mean, again, um, I don't know the context in which that was uh, comment was made. Um, and obviously, no one no one asked us our opinion about it. Um, but no, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we all know that um, uh, you know players like Paul George and Russell Westbrook are extremely hard to acquire in cities, uh, in the smaller cities in the league. Um, and you know, when you have those players, you try to do everything you can to to retain them. But once Paul asked for the for the trade, um, I felt like. You know, we made the most of the situation to work for everybody, which allowed us to do it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not something that we were entering into the year. I think the thought pattern just doesn't really line up. If you just look at it logically, probably that type of thing would have done been done much earlier, and it wouldn't have resulted from a trade request from you know, your you know one of your best players. Same. Considering that <coughs> over the past few years, y'all worked to maximize Russell's strengths. Now you have Chris Paul, and that might be for a limited time. Um, what does this offense look like? Uh, that's really a question for Billy. You know, I mean, he's the person that uh, is um, in charge of the on-court, you know, aspects of the uh, of the team, and certainly the. Um, the tactical aspects of of, of, of those things, um, I do. I would build on one thing you said, Eric, which is, I mean, for our for our our team and organization to go from Russell Westbrook um, to Chris Paul, uh, you know, without a season in between, th that is like an annual thing. I think. Um, I was wondering, it's not going to be a press conference without that happening, Mike. Um, but for our fans, for our fans to go. Um, you know, from one season with with Russell Westbrook to the next season with Chris Paul is another another Hall of Fame player uh, to to play in Chesapeake Energy Arena in a you know a 12 year period of time is remarkable, and we're extremely excited about it. Um, you know, there's going to be a like I said earlier, there'll probably be a period of discovery for us to figure that out, for Billy and and the group to figure out you know those style of play um, uh, questions. But I think Chris Paul is going to have a really, really good year. I think, uh, number one, he's in incredible shape. Um, I just was with him this morning. And, um, you know, this is a guy I think sometimes things get, you know, overlooked as to how good a player he is and um, the impact he has on, on, a, on, a, on a basketball game, primarily because of his mind. You know, he's just a brilliant basketball um, uh, thinker, and he sees the game extremely well. Um, so I think that will bode well, but to have Russ into Chris Paul for our fans, I think is like that's something we're really, really happy with. How do you balance it to get off to a start? And Chris is still a good player, and there's going to be talk about him moving around the league all until something doesn't happen. You're playing really well, mm -hmm. but then you get to get off for mm -hmm. winning now is against the future. That whole deal. I mean, I think again, those are all case by case things. We're not really focused on, um, you know, the hypotheticals 
I, I trust me. I know, you know, the, the, I see the same things you guys see in the media. Um, I would just say that like everybody's focus for this team is one coming together, getting to know each other a little bit, obviously, because a lot of new people, um, but you know, optimizing the season that we have in front of us. And, um, I, I think that, you know, it's an exciting thing to come into a year with some new, some new players that have a, a pretty established track record. Um, but I also think the existing players will also look a little bit different, you know, because you're removing two all NBA players from the, from the team. Um, so like Steven Adams, I'm really excited for him. You know, I, I am, a I I think a, I'm a really, obviously a huge fan of his. I think that, um, he still has growth left in his game. I think he's has an opportunity to expand himself a little bit. Um, you know, he's the ultimate, he's the ultimate, you know, blocking tackling player. But I also think that he's a talented player. And so he'll have an opportunity to do a little bit more. I think Dennis, obviously, um, Shea uh, is a young player. We have to continually, you know, uh, think big but build small with him and, you know, not rush anything there because I think he's an extremely talented guy. But you have to let those things take their course, and there'll be ups and downs, as we've seen with all kinds of young players here. Um, Gallinari, I think, is a, like a, just an absolutely beautiful player to watch um, just because of his skill level and his understanding of the game. So... Um, I think we have enough on our plate there um, to focus on. Um, but as I said before, like the that doesn't affect the fact that you know eventually this organization, this team is going to do what every other franchise does in pro sports. It's just that over the last 12 years, while we've been in this era of the team, you know I would say 25 of the other teams have have gone through some type of transition. We've been able to fight that off a few different times. Eventually, we're going to get to there, um, and we're, we're trying to be extremely transparent about that. But that's that's not right now. You know, right now we still have a team that we feel like we want to go out and see what they can do. Um, and at some point, we will we will get to that. You know, restructuring, rebuilding period. But um, we're not there. We're not there yet. And we're not. But we're not going to sacrifice uh, the long-term vision we have for the team. Since Kevin Durant spoke to the Wall Street Journal about his stays um, with the organization now. I know you've been fairly consistent with your thoughts and views of Kevin since he left. But like on a human level, is there whatever the relationship should be? Like, is there just some regret that it's not in a better place? Well, I, the only the only thing I I would disagree with you about is that I don't think we've been fairly consistent. I think we've been like. 100% consistent relative to just um, the way we feel about him, um, recognizing his contributions to not only the team but the city. Um, they're monumental. I think we've said that you know consistently. Um, uh, I would just say this: you know, uh, if if there's anything that Kevin Durant ever ever needed from me or from anyone here, um, it would be moments notice. You know, for that to happen, I also think you know if you work with people for eight years like like we did, um, he and I, you know, I, I, he was 19 when he came into the NBA. I was 29. Uh, we both <laughs> went through a lot of changes together, uh, and I have nothing but positive things to say about him um, and his tenure here. You can ask me that. You've asked me that in the past. You've asked me that today. You can ask me that in the future when it, if something like this comes up again. I'm never going to change that tune because that's how I feel. Um, and um, I think that his contributions here are, are 
are they speak for themselves. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but I would I would always be there if he needed anything from me, and I I truthfully believe that I think that would be the case if that was, you know, it, it would be reciprocated as well. Sam Russell uh, was and is still a very regimented player. Probably could set the watch by him when he was going to be that sort of thing. Um, him being here for the amount of time that he was, and now no longer yeah. having that regimented yeah. person in the building, have you sensed a change? Have you sensed guys stepping into the void? And oh, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's still it's still so early. You know what I mean? And we haven't necessarily started um, playing games. Teams are teams are organisms. Teams are always changing. Um, you know you can bring back the same exact people um, one year to the next, but the team will be different. And teams change day to day. And the reason why is because like they're made of humans, right? And so everyone's different. And I think our team will adapt accordingly to, um, you know, whoever it is that we ultimately are, are meant to be or going to be will be a result of all the people um, that comprise it. And I'd like to think also, um, you know, is to, to continually try to um, not not look at it in a fixed way, but, you know, what we can be versus what we are today. And, um, you know, Russell obviously, um, you know, had an unbelievable career here. Um, and that, that, you know, I think that's been well documented. Um, and now, you know, there's opportunity for us to, to chart a new path. Um, but, that's more a function of the way that teams work. I mean, one of the things I also think that is pretty remarkable is, um, you know, the amount of time that, that, you know, he was with the team. There's only a couple other people. I think I made a mistake um, when I said how many I thought that was last time. And I, people were very upset. I think it was, I said I said like two and it was five people with tenure like that. Um, but, you know, that, that change is really more the norm now. If you just look at what happened in the NBA this offseason, half the all-star team, you know, shifted around. And um, I don't know that that's going to change in the short term. Um, so everyone's going to go through that period of time. So your ability to navigate change, um, I think, is just part of business, you know, and now it's becoming a huge part of sports as well. Just to go back to what Brady was asking about Kevin's comments, he specifically in those comments said, but you mentioned the general manager. I haven't talked to him or had a positive conversation with anybody in the organization yeah. since I've left. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, what I can say is I've never made it a habit of getting into my personal conversations with our former players other than to say I feel really good about those relationships. Um, and I think you could hear in my voice um, the way I feel about him. That hasn't changed. It won't change. Um, Dre is, uh, you know, he'll be on the floor for training camp. Um, he has worked so hard uh, and uh, has put so much time in. And, you know, he's a, he, he figures to be an important part to, as we talked about, optimizing the team that we have. Um, I think we also know that he was a, you know, it was a big loss for us last year. But um, he, uh, you know, he'll be on the floor for training camp. 
will obviously manage him closely because he hasn't played a lot of competitive basketball um, in a while. Um, and we have to be really supportive as he goes through that return to play process. But, um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that he'll be seeing some preseason action, um, you know, as he, as he gets closer. But uh, I just can't say enough about the, the mental resolve it has taken for him to do what he's done. And I would just, and I know our fans will do this, but, you know, when he's back on the floor, I just think he's, he's uh, you know, he's worked hard to get there. I will say that. He's worked hard to get there. The other thing is, is I think his, the things he brings to a team um, are really, really massive. You know, I mean, he's, if you look at just the, the impact he's had on the floor while he's been with the team, it's, it's pretty significant. So hopefully we can get him back out there doing what he does, but it's not going to be an immediate thing. It's just going to be small steps, hopefully. Speaking on the future, uh, you responsible for drafting three future Hall of Famers and with all the draft picks you accumulate this offseason, how hard do you think it will be to somewhat duplicate that? Somewhat? <laughs> um, well, I think the first thing you gotta you gotta look at with those types of things is like I, I wish I could tell you that like the success we've had in the draft is because of some um, some some specific formula or something like that. It's what it is is pure luck. Um, you know, we've been incredibly fortunate. Um, you know, you know, obviously with the players that we've drafted, the players put in an unbelievable amount of work. Um, you know, our coaches and our medical people and our performance people and our analytics people all play a role and try to leverage their strengths to help the players be the best version of themselves. But the players are the deal. That's at the end of the day what it's about, you know. But I do, I love the fact that, you know, whether it's the guys at the top, but like, you know, we're really proud we drafted Sabonis. We're really proud that we drafted Ibaka, Reggie, you know, Dre, uh, Steven. You know those types of guys. Like, it's just fun to watch them have success as they grow through the through the NBA and go on to have great careers. Even if they're not here, you know they're, they're they started here, and that's a big important thing for us. And I think of as our identity as an organization is that people and players improve and get better here. Um, but you know a lot of it's just good fortune, and I wish I could tell you that it was something else. But um, it's it's mostly that. You just try to shift the odds, you know, with decision making. But you know, we've been very lucky. Don't have the luxury of having a ton of Hall of Famers and All Star games and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, how are you going to sell this year's team to just the casual sports fan? How would I sell it? Um, I'm not a really good salesman. Um, I know I normally focus on like selling things. I focus on doing things, um, and I think for us, you know, what we've always tried to do is. Um, stay true to these types of standards I was mentioning earlier. Um, and as I said earlier, having, I just think it's pretty, pretty rare to go from Russell to Chris in, you know, in Oklahoma City um, and our fans to have the opportunity to see a player of this caliber. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing. You know, usually when you lose a player of that magnitude, um, you know, it's it's a different outlook. You're not replacing them with another Hall of Fame level of player. Um, and so I think that's great. We have to embrace that. The other thing I would say to your question, I don't know if this is specifically what you're saying, but, like, like we've never, like, taken for granted our station in the league. 
Like, you know, when we're when those things are happening for you and you're you're going to four Western Conference finals or I don't know what it was, ten out of eleven I'm probably gonna get cross, crucified for saying missing the, the stats on this, so this is not but like I think we went to the playoffs like nine or ten out of eleven years or nine out of ten years or something like that. Um you know, I don't think you can like pin your identity on the outcomes of everything because it's this is pro sports and things are constantly changing, and success is so elusive. I mean, you know, there's days that you look up and you say, "Well, we've had," like I said, the second best net rating in the NBA over over 10 years, but there's day where you feel like a failure. You know what I mean? Because you know we haven't been able to win a championship, um, and you can you can pin yourself on the symbols of success. Um, I, I think you need to have those goals and aspirations. We certainly do, but those things are are moving targets, and um, so many things have to go your way um, in a given season. Like explain this internally is like there's a million ways for things to go wrong in the NBA. There's really only one way for it to go right. It only goes right for one team, you know, and um, you know. You, you want to be that one team and you want to strive and do everything you can, but you got to be really smart about how you get there. And um, if you're just looking at and thinking that those things are going to constantly be coming your way, like you're owed those things, I think that's going to be a hard fall. I think if you consistent, consistently have a set of principles you're focused on and you're looking at things to give yourself as many opportunities as possible to reach that goal, I think that's a much more earnest way to go about it. And that's what we've always focused on. And that's, I think, we're all really proud of the fact that it's never come down to one game or one season um, because we've always felt like we would have enough to make it, you know, back to that place again. And from that stretch of time, you know, uh, from 12 to, I don't know, 16 there, like we, all those teams were basically six plus net rating teams. That's a 50% chance going to the conference finals every year. All that being said, and, and then we're the, I think third in the league in that many six-plus net rating teams in that 10 years we've been here. But that's still only a 10% chance of winning the title. And coming into the season, even the best teams are like one in four because so many things can go wrong, and it's really only one way for things to go right. So you have to be able to, I think, internalize that and get excited about the challenge, which is what which is what I think we always are. Like, it's 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 the challenge in front of us to maximize ourselves, and and whether it's this season or a longer term plan, like we've talked about, like that's like we're game for that. Young Larry's a guy who's coming off his best season. He's a thirty year old. Yeah. And coming off of a good FIBA. Um, how how rare is that for you to see guys you know have their best seasons you know, later? In, in their career, I don't think it's necessarily rare at all. Um, you know, I think the best players um, play at a high level longer because they're that good. And that when there is some level of, you know, slowdown, um, when you get into your 30s or whatever, you're just starting so much further ahead than the average player because of your skill or your mind or what it might be. Um, so, like, those types of players have success. I think his skill level is really elite. He's got great size. He just knows how to score the basketball. Um, he's got a lot of experience. You know, he's played in a lot of situations. And he's been a really fun guy to get to know. He's a great sense of humor. Um, and he's, uh, you know, 
he's a he's you know he he's a baller i told him this story and he we had a, he got a kick out of it he probably doesn't remember we went to dinner when he's here and i said you know you you play a role in my uh you know my my in my family because i went over to see him play when he was in um in um milan as a young player it's like 20 years old or something like that maybe maybe younger and at the time i was um courting my future wife and I was in Milan going to the game, and I was like, I got to come home with something from Milan because it'll really impress this girl. So I got these, like, these books on Italy that I, that I, 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 I lugged home with me. They're thick. And um, somehow, some way, they have made it. They're in our living room still. I don't know that we've ever opened them, but they, they look really cool. And um, so I was walking out the door to, to meet Gallinari for dinner, and I noticed them, and I was like, wow, this is what a long, strange trip this has been, you know. Um, but, yeah, those, those, those books have been around as long as the first time I got to see that guy play, and he was really good in that game. <laughs> um, probably why I, re I also remember that trip. But um, it's not abnormal for those guys to, to, to exceed later in their careers, especially with the advances that we've seen in sports science, medicine rest recovery nutrition um i mean and the players have just become so much more dedicated to their craft in a way and i just think they just didn't have necessarily some of the information and we didn't but their their own interest in education in these things has really been uh, accelerated and for us to keep up with that as an as a as an organization to make sure we have answers to these questions and if we don't have answers where can we go get the best outside resources to help with these questions in terms of career extension or nutrition or um, you know preventative you know measures that we can take um, I think Chris is a great example of you know he's, he's made a big commitment to some changes in his uh, performance training and he's I think he's going to really really bear the benefit of that as well as the some nutritional uh, decisions he's made and so i think guys are playing longer also because of that markel brown um i mean he's like a, to me he's like a professional scorer um we obviously know him well because of his ties here he's been around our gym for years um you know it's funny like he's he's been in, in and out for what other pickup games workouts things like that um and you know, those are guys that we're always rooting for because people often think about professional basketball in the United States as, um, you know, bright lights and 18,000-seat arenas. And, you know, players like Markel have fought and, and, and clawed to, to, to earn a living playing the game they love, and it's taken them to all these different places all over the world. Um, well, we have a guy that I'm extremely proud of in Eric Maynard who is coaching with or going to be coaching with our, with our blue team and kind of um, following what, 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 we're, what, we're, what we're establishing is almost like a, a, a former Thunder alumni you know, um, coaching internship program. Uh, it worked well for Royale, obviously, uh, and Eric's in it now. And, you know, Eric had great years here, <clears throat> but he also played overseas, which I think gave him a totally different perspective on the game and appreciation for the game. And um, those experiences, like, that Markel have, or like an Eric Maynard have, or or Royale has had, you know, um, they, I think that really helps those guys for life after basketball as well. Sam, you talked about Dennis Schroeder already. Um, 
with the situation Chris Paul has, and you know, also adding Shea Gilgis Alexander, I mean, I, I would imagine this wasn't the situation that he had originally signed up for. It's one thing to back up Russell Westbrook, but like, can you give any um, updates as to where his mind's at going into the season with this team? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, relative to Dennis, like when he. Um, when we acquired him, you know, I, you know, he knew that it would be a different situation than what he had in Atlanta, just by way of the, the level of the team. And, um, you know, what we have here now is, I think, a pretty unique opportunity to see what we can do with those three ball handlers. I think it's well documented um, that ball handling and the ability to create opportunities uh, for yourself or others is a pretty high premium in the league, especially with the way that the game is officiated um, and the value of getting into the paint. I think having those three guys is a very it's, it's a real positive. Now we've got to figure out how to leverage that over 48 minutes and use that to our advantage. Um, but Dennis is like Dennis is a is a is a huge talent. Um, and he showed us that. I mean, uh, throughout last year, I mean, I don't know how many games there were last year where he ended up with 18 points in the second half to kind of give us a jolt or help us win. Um, and so I think those are the things that have to work themselves out. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we have, like, the specific rotation set out. And I would think that would be a massive mistake if we did. And that's part of, like, kind of where we are is, like, and we, sh we need to embrace that that it, there probably will be some, you know, um, discovery with how we how, how we see the team develop over the course of time. And that's, that, you know, Billy's got to make sure that um, the team is growing through the season and not just staying fixated because um, that's how we started. And Dennis will be a huge, he'll be a huge part of the team. He's just that talented. Sam, you've talked consistently since probably your very first press conference here um, as general manager about building roots for this franchise and mm -hmm. the long-term longevity. You mentioned first off, 12th year. I mean, is there a point where you get to, you know, whatever year that you start to feel like, all right, we've sunk in, we're here, that you kind of get to stop worrying about getting the roots and the, the longevity of this franchise in, in a long Um. Well, I wouldn't say worrying about it, but I think you can never take it for granted. Um, and one thing that I would say is one thing that's deepened our roots probably more than anything is the adversities that we've faced. And we've, we've had our fair share of those things. Um, and the way we've responded to those, I think, have hopefully um, been representations of the values of the city that we represent. You know, the way we go about our business. Um, you know, when we do get knocked back, dusting ourselves off, getting up, taking steps forward. Um, you know, putting a huge value on, on the doing and not the saying. Um, and I don't know, I mean, all of us that have had the benefit of being with the organization um, from its inception, and I, I mean people that aren't even here anymore, you know what I'm saying? But if you've, if you've been here in the early stages, I, I just think that it's really humbling to, to feel like you're a part of something that's being established that will be around long after all of us are no longer here, you know, representing the, the, the you know, the logo behind us. Um, and so, like, I don't think you can ever take that for granted. I think you've got to always be focused on, um, you know, putting the organization first, um, trying to stick to the principles and values that, We've, we've established it with. All that being said, evolving with 
the world around us because, you know, when you have an extended period of time like we've had together and with the success that we've been fortunate enough to achieve, um, you know, there aren't a lot of like reset opportunities or refresh opportunities. And that's a good thing. But you still have to preserve your values and principles, but also try to modernize those things as well. And I feel like we've tried to make an effort to do that. I mean, certainly not the same organization we were in 2008 when we arrived. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, but I think the adversities that we've faced and um, as much as the, the, the successes we've had, but, you know, in our response to those hopefully have embedded us. Um, we're not perfect. Um, we've, we certainly don't have a perfect scorecard in, in any respect, um, but you know, we are trying to do the right things for the, for the city, for the future of the team, and position ourselves all the time so that there's a brighter day that we can, we can look toward. Um, but I, 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 mean, I just, like I said earlier, like I'm extremely humbled to, 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 to be a part of the organization to be a part of this unbelievable group of people that we've had and, and, and currently do have as well. And we all know that like the work we're doing today is, is going to last longer than our time here. And, um, that's, that's cool, you know, to hopefully look back and say, Hey, look, like we were there when this started, you know, and the first, the first, the first pillars were put in. That's a unique thing in sports. You know, I, I will never take that for granted. Never.